Here's the big question. How is it that most entrepreneurs hustle and are always busy and struggle to take just one step forward only to fall two steps back? They're dedicated, determined, and driven, but only a few finally break through and win. This show uncovers those quantum leap patterns of highly successful people so you can simply model what they do and apply to your future success. That's the question, and the answers are right here. My name is Brigitte Höfele, and this is the Success Patterns Show. And that is right. Welcome, everyone, to the Success Patterns Show on this beautiful Tuesday, the last Tuesday of the month, of the month of November. Welcome, 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 everyone. My name is Brigitte Höfele. I am the founder of the Success Pattern Movement and the CEO of the Center of NLP. And we are here to put the do in learn, do, teach. This show was designed with your success in mind because the quality of your success actually starts with your attitude towards it. I got a great ex a guest expert today, and boy, his attitude is off the charts. So you definitely want to have something to write with and something to write on because he's going to drop some nuggets. I know it. Tony Robbins is known for saying success leaves clues. I say success comes in patterns and a pattern, a definition of a pattern is an example for others to follow because when we can decode patterns that led to success of our guest experts, then you can actually encode it into your own life for your own success starting right now, today. As humans, we are hardwired for hands-on application by a living teacher. That's where our guest experts come in. We're grandmasters at work here. We're gonna give you tips on how to model success. We're gonna talk about things that are like happening right now. Success is already yours as you are here. You're at the right place at the right time. Stay tuned. At the very end, we're going to share with you some important information. So I want to share with you who we have on today on the Success Pattern Show. And he's going to share patterns of business freedom, financial freedom, and soul freedom. Hello? This is big. Uh, he's internationally recognized. He's a real estate sales speaker, a trainer, a mastermind facilitator. He helps real estate agents going from a business operator to a business owner, creating real financial freedom and live the life that they truly want and desire and love. He launched the WGR over 15 years ago as one of the top real estate brands of Utah, having helped nearly a thousand buyers and sellers through the, his career. Now, the WGR is one of the North America's top real estate business academy and masterminds. If you're in real estate, if you are living in a home, if you're dealing in some sort of fashion with real estate, you want to pay attention. If you want to be financially free, this is the time for you to pay, to pay attention. He has trained thousands of agents to become over six-figure income earners with his top clients generating over $300,000 a month in revenue. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not driving, please stand on your feet and help me welcome Colton Lindsay. Welcome to the show. What's up? Thanks for having me here. Good to have you, man. Yeah. Good to see you. We just hung out in Florida a few weeks ago. Yes, we that did. We were kayaking and uh, teaching some some financial freedom principles. So that was I'm awesome. Glad, glad to have you there. I was I was just. Uh, it's cool to see. You mean your show Success Patterns? It's cool to see the fruits 
of these patterns that have been implemented and how it comes to really um, collaboration in serving others. So it's, I'm just thankful to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And it starts out, you know, if, if we surround ourselves with leaders that are uh, too good for that or are too whatever, you know, fill in the blank, then those are not the people that you or I want to surround ourselves with. You've done an incredible job in creating a culture within your company and the people that you work with and the people that seek your uh, guidance and advice. Talk to me about how you create such great com company culture. Um, well, I think by having created such horrible culture previously, right? <laughs> knowing, <laughs> knowing what doesn't work, knowing the pattern that creates fruit that I don't enjoy. Um, you know, I just realized that there's one pattern I personally haven't been able to figure out. And it's, it's a thirst that someone has to go just create life on their terms. I just don't know how to teach that thirst for whatever reason. I can teach the patterns that come after the thirst, but the thirst itself. So what I do is I look for people that are 18, that are thirsty, that are coachable. They ask for feedback. They show up. They say, what else can I do? How else can I add value? These are the type of people they're going to, their thirst is so strong. They're going to be successful with or without me in their life. Now, if I can, have them in my world and I can press time by teaching them the patterns, the success patterns that will move them there quicker. That's what I look for. So I've just focused on building a culture full of 18 people with my towards values. And I use the way value to say, Hey, look, we're staying away from consistent, inappropriate drama, consistent, inappropriate blame, consistent, inappropriate entitlement, consistent, inappropriate lack of authenticity, dishonesty. And I just make it very clear on, on what I'll tolerate or not tolerate in my world. And I don't do it based on what people pay me. I do it based on, how I will emotionally experience the moment. Because to me, time is not money. Time equals emotion. Mm. There's so, we can unpack so many things of what you just said. The, the thirst, you know, it's almost like the, um, the tenacity. I like to teach in corporations that I go into HR or uh, other large teams there are some things that people come equipped with. They, they are not necessarily a tangible skill that you can teach. And a company culture, just like you have created out of necessity, out of you know feedback of what I want to move away from and what I want to move towards too, which is actually an NLP uh, strategy, moving away from moving towards too, is you, you are you are attracting the people that have that thirst because it, mm -hmm. it cannot, I don't think I'm, you know, as you're asking that, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I don't know how to teach that. You, you're, you either have it or you don't. Right. That's what I've, I've, I was hoping you would teach me how to teach that. Cause thus far in my career, that's the one I teach so many patterns, business freedom patterns, financial freedom patterns, soul freedom patterns, relationship patterns, happiness patterns, like all these patterns. I haven't been able to teach that thirst pattern and I don't know why some people have it and some people don't. It'd be great to, to do some research on that. And if someone could teach me, I would, I would love to know what that is. I, I want to go on that journey. Now you are that person, right? I mean, you are in per, you in persona, you are your own avatar. You are your oh, own sure. target market. How did you become thirsty? Well, it's interesting. Like I would like to say that it's always been inside of me. When we're children, things happen to us and we make decisions from a child's point of view. 
And all of us at some point make the decision that I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. How we choose to respond to I'm not enough is what will dictate a lot of that. So how I chose to respond to it kind of by chance was, well, shoot, I want to be enough. So how can I be enough? I got to go work hard. I got to go achieve. I got to go prove myself. And so I just, I created this work ethic inside of me to just get results, to always create or find a way. And as I've, I've done that, I, I learned, well, one, I've quickly learned how to create financial freedom because I'd heard when my mentors, Doug Nelson say, hey, uh, wealthy people go on vacation for a season, average people go on, on vacation for a week. And I was like, well, shoot, I want to be wealthy. I want to go on vacation for a season. What I didn't understand though at that time was, is that was just a financial pattern. It wasn't a happiness pattern. It wasn't a fulfillment pattern. And so as I've just gone on this journey, I've just been constantly finding other people that are living the physical reality that I would like to live and dissecting what patterns that they're living and, and just implementing them in my life and into my nervous system. Yeah. Uh, but so you said a few things and one of the things that you said was um, that was a choice. And I agree with you, you know, during our imprint phase, when we're little, we, um, we experience things and they shape us. They shape us in a good way, in a bad way. Unfortunately, and I, I want to know about more about the, the household that you grew up in. Unfortunately, a lot of parents are just so overwhelmed with parenting all in itself. And, and they're so overwhelmed with their own stuff and their own baggage and their own limiting beliefs that they, without knowing, you know, they don't mean to, but they just don't know any better. They pass on their own baggage, their own stuff to their children. And now as children, we don't see that we have a choice. It's just, that's who I am. Right? right. And often I'm going to say 98% of the time we find ourselves growing up at effect and not at cause. Yes. And when you're in effect, when you're in effect, then you're, you know, you're the victim. Oh, woe is me. This is what's happening to me. We don't see choice, but when you're coming from a place of at cause, you are now the creator of your reality. Now you, you do have a choice. You do see opportunities and do see possibilities. So how was that household growing up? So I had uh, my parents, well, I'll give you this. My mom worked for an actual real estate office. So I think this gave me a leg up in like, hey, I want to be in real estate growing up. But she was, a, she was a secretary for 43 years. And my dad was, he worked at the gas company, natural gas company for 40 something years. So they, they worked at a company and stayed the, uh, the, you know, that kind of even growth their entire life. But money was... Uh, not talked about in our house. In fact, that was probably what my parents fought about the most was, was money, mm. financial challenges. And I remember one of the first times that I had made that decision that I'm not enough for my parents. It was over money in a sense. They were building a brand new house. It was in the, uh, had to be right around 1990. So interest rates were uh, going up. They were higher at that time and rates had gone up while they were in the middle of construction. And they were in their late 20s. And I can now see that they were overwhelmed and stressed financially, kind of what we're seeing in today's economy, today's market with a lot of business owners with the contraction of the economy. And I had went upstairs into my bedroom that was soon to be my new bedroom. And I spilled red punch on the carpet and stained the carpet. And they just lost it. Mm. Back, back then, it was, uh, it was okay for parents to whoop their kids' ass a little bit. And I got my ass whooped. But looking back now, I can say, hey, it's not because they wanted to hurt me. They literally just 
they were overwhelmed. They were full of anxiety. Their brain, their literal fight or flight in their brainstem was firing off. And that was how their patterns had been created to, pr to protect from that moment. So going forward, I just was always hearing how, you know, um, we'll go to dinner on Monday night because kids eat free that night. Or my mom would always make sure everyone took leftovers home so that we had, we weren't wasting the food. I always had to clean my plate because we couldn't waste food. I remember my mom saying, Hey, if you, if you don't eat all your dinner, I'll put it in your pants, right? Like as a, as a threat, rich people screw people over. Um, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, like money takes too much hard work. Like all, and so that was kind of the beliefs. I was, I was really, I wasn't poor, but I wasn't middle class. We were definitely working class. And so I had working class beliefs and I didn't know how to spend money differently. I didn't know how to earn money differently. So I had to relearn all those programs, but I would say that one of the gifts is my mom, as she was a secretary of the real estate company, I would go see, I remember a real estate agent drove a red Hummer. So to me, a red Hummer meant money, right? Like that guy's got something figured out. So I knew I need, I knew I had to get into real estate. I knew that traditional school wasn't for me. Um, I did graduate from college, but I just, it was more out of like making my mom happy more than like I was going to take a, a traditional career route. Um, so I had to unwind comfort, I think is a good way to put it. See, see, when you're poor, you don't have comfort. So there's almost nothing to lose if you just go for it. Whereas when you're kind of working class, you've got comfort. Like I always had a Christmas present and never, I always had food. So it's not, it's not like I ever lacked, but I wasn't, flying first class to Disneyland. I was never flying anywhere. We weren't flying. We were road tripping to Yellowstone, right? So so I had to I had to relearn that. I had to find out what patterns worked and I had to put them into my nervous system. So there's there was one point there was a from what I heard and there're probably more pivotal points, but there was one point where someone from the real estate organization that your mom worked at modeled that yes. a red Hummer means success. And, and it sparked something within you. It, it, it really tipped something over. So I have a pattern and, and I have this, um, and it's not just a hypothesis, it's, it's, I think it's a fact. If we want our children to grow up without limiting beliefs, if we want our children to grow up at cause, then it doesn't start with our children. It starts with the adults yes. that have an impact on the children. Right. Yes. That is true for us growing up from our parents, from our surrounding and all of the surrounding has an impact. The people that our parents work with, our thought leaders that we surrounded, our parents surrounded themselves with TV, radio, you know, it's TV programming, radio sure. programming, well, all of that program. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Um, you know, friends, teachers. And we as in, in this very sensitive period of our imprint phase we're taking that on where was an was that the pivotal moment when you saw that red hummer i you know what i don't know there was one pivotal moment i think there was many pivotal epiphanies along the way um because i remember another real pivotal moment for me i was i was towards the probably three quarters of the way through i was on a, a mormon missionary uh, on a mormon mission and I was at a, a church member's house and they had a book there. It was called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. I read that book in Portuguese for the first time, which was very interesting. If, you, if my native language is obviously English, 
But reading it in Portuguese, I saw patterns differently in reading that book. And what I realized, that was for the first time I realized, though, that I could be the cause. So when I saw the Red Hummer, I was like, man, I want a Red Hummer. Like, I want to be successful. I didn't realize I had a, like, a real clear cause in that until I read that book when I was 20, almost 21 years old, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So when I read that book, like, I just started taking bits and pieces from it. I remember I, we, I took um, – the missionaries that I led at the time to this called the Rodizio Pizzeria. So basically they just take pizza and, and bring it around. Right. And so I took everyone there and I was just practicing there what I was learning from that book. And I remember the person that kept bringing the pizza around, kept giving me two slices of pizza while everyone else got one slice of pizza. I was like, shit, this thing works. Like, so it was, I it started just playing with it and toying with it. And then a little while later, I read Think and Grow Rich. I read Psycho-Cybernetics. I started writing all this. You know, I started studying uh, you know, NLP. He's going all down this rabbit hole of, of, wait a second. If I am the creator, what do I want to create? And how do I optimize this? Um, so it's interesting. How, oh, go ahead. How did that, when you, when you say, because I, I come from a very religious family, when you say I am the creator, how did that kind of flow with the religion that you grew up in and even your family? You know, I think, um, well, my mom struggles clear today. Like I got tattoos now and she'll be like, oh, what's that shit on your arm, right? Like just kind of old school boomer, like uh, churchgoer, which I really love and appreciate her because it made me who I am. Um, but the interesting thing about the Mormon church was they actually had this belief that um, they're children of God and that they can become God's and inherent kingdom. So this idea that I could be a, a God in a sense, I know that's kind of like over the top, but that I could actually be a God was implanted into my brain at a very young age that that's what I was working towards already. So it wasn't strange for me personally. I think what was strange if you've like, I remember when I, consciously stopped going to church wasn't anything against the, the what the church taught is i realized that the people that were there were living physical lives that i didn't want to live i didn't want to end up living the way that they were living so i wanted to go spend time with people that were living the way i wanted to live that so was, that was uh, another conscious decision that was another that was a very conscious decision yeah would you say that the family that you stayed with the missions family that you stayed with in portugal was that first like pushing that first domino in the self-development arena with that book? Oh, I, you know, the Mormon missionary itself was pushing that because every day they, part of what they taught is they, they taught us to get up at six o'clock, uh -huh. your schedule for the day, study for what you're going to go teach to the people that day, go knocking doors, proselyting, which is prospecting, right? Set up appointments and give a presentation about the church, invite people, sell the. So, I mean, that entire thing taught me a, a pattern of sales. I mean, there wasn't just one. That thing, that those two years were life changing for me. You know, I never seen it that way that you just pronounced it and 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 put it into a, a very clear flow. Man, when you can knock on doors daily, on I don't know how many doors do you knock three on. Years. So for two years, I would, and I had to walk everywhere. So every day I would just go knock on doors and I would cold, cold, basically cold door knock people talking about the Mormon church and Jesus Christ. So when someone can knock on doors and do that over two years, you can do anything. So true. It did. It did make me decide after my mission though, 
I was never going to go knock doors for whatever I did in the future. <laughs> I was going straight to phone calls at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, knocking doors, picking up the phone and, and, and cold calling like that. I mean, again, when you, once you do it, it's easy to do it again and again and again, maybe knocking or maybe picking up the phone. Because for a lot of people, uh, Colton, the phone gets really heavy. Yeah. Well, especially today, the phone gets really heavy is because people aren't identifying what the phone is today. Instagram's a phone, Facebook's a phone, mm. YouTube's a phone. And we have to understand that there's two ways of marketing. There's a passive approach, which is hope someone reaches out. And there's a proactive approach like, like, hey, someone just looked at my story. I'm going to reach out to them and see what's going on. And so you have to really start to cause, I think the key word is engagement. So whether you're knocking a door or making a phone call or you're commenting on someone or you're sending a DM, it's about engaging people and enrolling them into a meaningful conversation. Uh, I feel really, really freaking blessed that I learned that at such a young age because I don't care what, what business you're in, what you sell, everything is about engaging people and influencing and persuade them to what your cause is. How to win friends and influence people. You know, and people... There's some people that say, ooh, influence is almost like manipulation. How do you feel about that? Um, I think they, there's, they don't understand what NLP is in a sense. NLP, I believe, is something I do with people, not to them. And I truly believe at my core that I'm focused on growth and contribution, that if, if I use neuro-linguistic programming skill sets to work with someone to empower them and, ins and, and inspire them and persuade and influence them. And they make a decision that I will freaking deliver. Like there's no doubt in my mind I will deliver. So if you're doing it for personal gain only, you could be used as manipulation. I could see that. But if you're doing it to really contribute, to serve, to add value. And the happiest time I have in my life is when I'm contributing just to contribute. Like I don't, get paid anything to be on this podcast. I'm doing because I want to add value to you and, and the value exchange which you've created in my world. And who knows what comes from that with the law of reciprocity, but I'm doing it because I can. And this is what excites me. And this is what I'm enthusiastic about. And I have a skill set to share with people. So when you look at it that way, it's not manipulating. It's, it's, it's the ability to persuade and influence. Yeah. And it's the intention behind it, right? It's, it's, do you want to be a value? Do you want to be of service of, to humanity? Now, the, the law of reciprocity and profit, how, how does that go hand in hand? Because I know that you teach that often. So it's interesting. I like, I hear like speakers and trainers talk about giving back. I would actually encourage people to give just for the sense of giving. Hmm. Now, how the world works and the universe works some way, and I don't understand it fully, is that when I act, that sends a signal to God in the universe and God in the universe acts on my behalf. It just creates and lines things. However, how it's created and aligned for me isn't typically how I think it should be or how my plan is. It's usually a different plan, but it's always as equal or better than I, how I thought it should have, be, should have been. And so when I look at this ability to act with faith, I trust in a greater power, a greater sense of whatever gave me a heart and lets me live here that I will always be taken care of. The reciprocity, though, it doesn't always come how like I would want it probably, right? So if you get attached to how it should be, 
it, it's going to cause you some problems and it will actually backfire. But if you give just to give because you can, that's where reciprocity will take care of you all day long. You mean without an agenda, Correct. without attachment. Like, for example, like one of the most common ways is in a relationship, right? With a, 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 say a husband and a wife, the husband will give in a sense to get something back from that. But if the husband just gives to give without regards to even a thank you, then that's the win because that's a space of contribution. Otherwise it's called, it's horse trading is really what it is. It's a trend. It's that type of, and so you want to avoid it's bartering. Horse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before the show started, we talked about, you know, the real estate market right now, as it is November 29th, 2022, and um, the cash flow management that is connected to it. Where are we? I mean, we have come the last three years has been a whirlwind. And I don't know if we're coming out of it, if we're starting a new one. What's your take on it? On the real estate market specifically? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now. Markets are driven through fear and greed in the last couple of years post right after COVID. It's been driven by greed. You've had low interest rates. You've had a ton of money in circulation. And so people have been greedy. And so after so much time, greedy takes off with inflation, which we've seen in our entire economy. And so the feds, as they shifted the rates, it's put a cap on it. And that's instilled fear into the marketplace. So when Fear drives the market. It puts downward pressure on it. So you're seeing a downward pressure market. I don't think it's going to be as bad as any previous crash, but it's definitely going to see a continual reduction. I mean, you're already seeing a 50% reduction in the number of transactions year over year in most of the United States. We'll probably see another 20 to 30% contraction on that. You're seeing anywhere from 15 to 30% contraction in values right now. And you see those rates, it's still, even at a lower price, it's costing people more money per month because rates are, are up. So what has happened for a lot of real estate professionals, title people, you know, you have title and escrow companies, mortgage officers, as the reduction of transactions happen, their expenses are still appearing, their profit margins, because they were fat and, fat and happy for so long, they got okay with being a little bit lazy on their profit margins of 18, 20%. Now all of a sudden that 18 and 20% disappeared and people haven't been able to cut their expenses fast enough. And so it's really caused a, a, a problem in business owners in the real estate space, whether you're in the fix and flip, new construction, totally. I mean, you're seeing a new construction where the value of homes are dropping, but because of inflation, the cost to build is up. Their margins are upside down right now. I've seen plenty of builders they just stopped construction mid-build right now, tarped it off and said, hey, we're going to wait till the shit storm's over because it's going to be cheaper for us to do that and sit and wait on it than it is to, to finish out this build and take a loss on it. So what's what's the overall challenge in people that, that are facing this problem right now that they're not good in forecasting, that they're not good in putting their you know little sheep in other baskets or their little eggs in other baskets that they just haven't been won? Well, I think there's so many. I think the number one thing is... Um, Right now, people are being tested psychologically and emotionally. When the market's good, you feel good. When the market's down, it's easy to feel bad. And when you, this is how the whole law of attraction works. When you feel bad, you make less good decisions. You make less good decisions and you get less good consequences. And it creates kind of that cycle. So when you feel good, you make better decisions. You make better decisions, you get better consequences. However, that can backfire if you get lazy in how you're feeling good. If you're feeling good because your bank account's going up, 
That's the lazy way. If you're feeling good because you're connecting inside, you're using neuro-linguistic patterns on yourself and, and you're, you're driving certainty from within. If you feel good that way, you'll make good decisions because a good decision on a business owner is, hey, minimum, I'm taking 30% profit out of my company. That's my first expense. I pull it out. I put it on the side. Now, even with that model, like my, my lowest uh, profit margin company right now is 48.5%. And I'm talking to a lot of my friends and business owners that are like going negative month after month right now. And I'm like, I'm starting to feel stressed because of other people's stress a little bit. Right. And so it just goes back to, okay, where does it start? It starts first with how you feel inside and it has to create a sense of absolute certainty, but also a peace and a calm that you're, you're going to be okay regardless of what tornado comes at you, that you stay calm and centered regardless of the chaos, the ambiguity, and the unknown. From there, you can make better decisions. Better decisions create the better results. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is people just are getting lazy with money in society. What I mean by that is so easily printed out of thin air. People are just waiting for that next thing to be given to them, where the reality is, is you need to appreciate money. If you can't appreciate a dollar, you never appreciate a million dollars. And it's easy to stop appreciating money the more you get because it becomes more dispensable and you get, you get kind of people get lazy on their profit margins. That's a, that's a bottom line. Mm. Wow. Uh, I'd love to unpack that. Cause I think we could talk uh, hours just on that. And, and it's so, it's such a timely um, topic. And I think it comes back to what we started out our conversation today. And that is the thirst but the thirst has got to be um, planned or the, the thirsty people got to plan out well. They got to be, um, from what I'm hearing you say is they got to be surrounded by the people that know what to do, that know in which direction to go and what to do with that thirst, yep. how to channel it. Yeah, exactly. Proximity is power. And how you decide proximity is who or what company or what coaching coaching program have the physical results of the reality that I want to live. And then I go learn what those patterns are. Yep. Colton, I agree with Brian. He says Colton is a wise man. I totally agree with him. People need to get with Colton. Colton, how do people get in touch with you? Best is on Instagram, uh, Instagram.com forward slash the WGR. So just search me up on Instagram, the WGR, tap me a follow, send me a DM and let's connect. Okay, great. So it's uh, Instagram.com slash the WGR. Or you can also go here, the WGR.com. Is that right? Yep. You can go there as well. Check some stuff out there. Fantastic. Uh, Colton, any last words that you want to share with the group? Um, I think if the overall pattern, I'll re-hit it again. The overall pattern for me that ignites a sense of a law of attraction is feel good now and always feel better from within. From there, I make better decisions. I get better consequences with better consequences shows up better opportunities for me to take action on. That's how the whole law of attraction works. Love it. Those were wise words from a wise man. Guys, get with uh, Colton Lindsay, the WGR.com or find him on Instagram, the WGR. Thank you, Colton, for taking the time to be here. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you again next Tuesday, same time, same place. Until then, ciao and bye for now. Thanks. See you later. Thank you for tuning in to The Success Pattern Show at www.thesuccesspatternshow.com. My name is Brigitte Hufelet.